Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hello, I'm George Cup, And I'm Callum Gurr. And you're about to listen to the podcast version of To Be Discussed with Cup and Gurr. Please note that this is a podcast, so... It's not a live broadcast, so please do not try to vote in any of the polls or send in messages to any of our discussions, as your message will not be registered, but you may still be charged. Also, please note that not all of the opinions expressed in this podcast are our actual opinions, but may be expressed to create a better discussion. Anyway, enjoy the podcast and don't miss our live broadcast every Sunday on Wizard Radio Station. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of To Be Discussed with Cup and Gurr. My name is Callum Gurr, and I will be joined by my co-host and political opposite, George Cup. Well, I bet everyone wasn't expecting Callum's voice to come in there. But hello, everyone. This evening, Callum and I will prove to you that you can have impassioned debates whilst holding vastly different opinions without falling out at the end of the night. Tonight we will be discussing, will the Liberal Democrats become the third largest party at the next election? Which of these political figures should have been on the New Year's Honours list? And finally, are you feeling positive about 2020? With each of these discussions being accompanied by polls, which you could have the chance to vote on at wizardreddit.co.uk forward slash listen. And these discussions will be open until the end of the song break between each topic. But first, last week we asked for your opinions on the question, has to be discussed, help broaden your political viewpoint? And we've had some really humbling responses, really. (laughs) Um, So the first one is from Leanne. Leanne said, I don't just want to say this to appeal to your ego, but to be discussed is my favourite radio show every week. Uh, I've listened to it since when you hosted Teenscope, and it really does help me broaden my political perspective because you hear more than one side of the debate. On most radio shows or political videos online, you only get one view and it's always very biased. Whereas with you both, I can hear more than one perspective. 
and sometimes you cover more than two perspectives too, which is really useful to know. I feel really prepared when I go to school and debate on issues with friends because I know different viewpoints, so I know how to respond to their opinions too. Well, George, that's um, really brilliant to hear, isn't it? Yeah, it, it really is. And, and thank you so much, Liam, for uh, your lovely compliments to both Callum uh, and myself. Uh, it is very humbling to hear that uh, what Callum and I produce and, and do is is actually having a, an impact on, on our listeners and, and proving a point as well. It's the one of the whole reasons that Callum and I wanted to start this radio show to to ensure that people could be um could go and debate their friends and 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 be able to have the knowledge to go and debate their friends and um leanne is so right that so many of the um news outlets out there only ever produce one side of the argument and i think callum and i even when we agree on topics we will always try and bring different aspects of arguments across um to ensure that every boxes ticked when it comes to making the, um, the correct points so yeah thank you so much Leanne it is is brilliant do you uh are, are you are you happy with that that uh compliment there Callum yeah yeah I really am and and as you say George I think it's always something we've been conscious of even even when we do agree on things which actually is a lot more than you might think sometimes I think and mm. um, we we always try and bring in the other viewpoint I suppose um, and and I, it makes me sad sometimes. I, don't, I think things maybe are improving a little bit, but the political discourse isn't carried out in that way. And I think we we saw that a lot during the general election, that there wasn't that um, acknowledgement of, yes, we can disagree with, with each other, um, but we can, we can still, you know, have a chat afterwards about something else, you know, and, and we can still be friends or at least, you know, on friendly terms, as it were. Um, and, you know, I, I see some of the, the bad things that are happening in politics at the moment. I think sometimes that I wish more people could just accept the fact that people do have different views, but it doesn't have to be something you fall out over. Yeah, absolutely. A quick um, question to you, Callum. Do you think hosting um, this radio show when it was Teenscope and now to be discussed, do you think it's broadened your political viewpoint? Have have you become more central? Have you Do you surprise yourself with the amount sometimes you agree with me on certain things? Yeah, no, it definitely did broaden uh, my viewpoint um, and it probably has brought me more to the centre because when I started, I was very very left wing without being you know a communist or anything like that but I was I was pretty left wing and I certainly fell into sometimes or maybe it was a little bit before the show but I certainly fell into the trap of sometimes or, or, or at least viewing the conservatives as inherently bad I held my hands up and, and say that sometimes I, I felt that um, whereas I think through the show and just through broader I suppose becoming friends more with you George um, it, it showed me that um, yes the Conservatives do do some policies that I disagree with personally um, but that doesn't make anyone within the Conservatives inherently bad for being a member of the Conservatives as such I mean do you do you find that it's brought you more to the centre this show George? Oh, oh massively absolutely massively I mean when we started the show I was pretty right wing in in certain policies that i agree with and this really has uh, brought me to the center and uh, the amount that i also find i agree with you also surprises me quite a lot um and it's actually quite nice and i i think that is that thing where when i first 
started the show it was very much oh i can't like any policies from any other party but now i'm very accepting of that i i'm not afraid to challenge my own party and, I, and i'm not afraid to say actually labor have got a really good policy in that area and i think that's really important going forward yeah. in in politics um right our next opinion comes in from martin and he says for me to be discussed doesn't really broaden my political viewpoint but it does help to clear through all of the rubbish in the news media and tell me what the key news stories i should be paying attention to are because you guys cover only a few key issues every week it helps to keep me focused there's always so much in the news trying to get your attention there's literally like 10 articles on the bbc news homepage on any given day that listening to your show is just like an hour of key topical issues that i should know about and that's really useful to me and i think that's that's really important maybe we don't maybe pay attention to that but we do pick out quite key policies oh sorry key issues don't we Callum yeah yeah I think we've always been conscious of trying to pick the big hitters or or, although also sometimes trying to talk about things that maybe deserve to be a a really key issue and a really key talking point but but haven't always been I mean obviously uh, the, the media in general at the moment um, or at least for the past couple of years, has been massively, massively dominated um, by Brexit. Um, and yeah. rightly so, obviously, it's a massive change for the country. Um, but obviously, we've always kind of had a, a kind of informal rule, and we did sometimes break it, but we've always had a little informal rule, I think, of that we wouldn't really talk about um, Brexit as a specific question for the show um, more than kind of once a month or so, because if not, it it does become... And that you're just talking about the same things every week as such. Um, And I think, you know, we saw that in the election that a lot of people felt like it had been like that in the media and and in politics in general, always talking about Brexit. Uh, What did you make that opinion, George? Yeah, I I think um, we we do take a lot of time um, to make sure that we pick topics that are of uh, that are current and and that people can know what is going on about them and and hopefully we give them more information about it but also i think we also are very good at making sure we pick some topics that maybe aren't the headline news stories that we can still make sure that there is focus being brought about it because we feel it is important and we try and make sure that every single uh, topic that we do or discussion that we do is new every single week um and believe me after two and a half years it is sometimes hard not to repeat yourself (laughs) Yeah, that is that is very true. I mean, obviously, this has been a bit of a, a love-in for me and you, George, but the next opinion is very interesting. It's from Joseph. He says, <laughs> now nah, you guys are rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, he says, just kidding. I really enjoy listening to your radio show. And if I miss the show, I listen to the podcast instead. I really, really like how you show that even if you do disagree on politics with people, you can still be friends with them. It's shocking how much we have allowed politics to divide our friendships and families in ways that it never would have before. If you think about it, before 2016, who really cared if their friend was a Tory? Now it's like, you can't sit with me if someone doesn't support the same political party as you. You guys show that it isn't necessary, and I've gotten some of my friends to become fans of your show too, so that even if we don't agree on politics, we can always just talk about what you guys chat about. I mean, uh, again, I mean, a really lovely kind of opinion to finish that on, George. Just, I mean, really briefly, any thoughts on that? 
yeah again i just want to say uh, thank you to joseph for uh, for his support and uh, and i'm so happy that we've been able to help him uh, prove that we don't have to fall out about um different political opinions because that is so key especially in this very uh, hostile political world that we're in at the moment it's so important to put your political opinions to one side and to still be friends no matter what your opinion may be on a certain topic yeah absolutely and uh, remember we'll be announcing what the question will be for you to send in your opinions on for that segment at the end of tonight's show so make sure you're ready for that for the chance to be featured in this segment of next week's show but we've reached the time for our first break of the evening so we'll be back very soon Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed. It's time to move on to our second discussion of this evening. And we're asking the question, will the Liberal Democrats become the third largest party at the next election? So heading into the 2019 general election, the party polled well, with one poll showing the party with 20%, within 4% of Labour. And that was until around the 28th of October. Nonetheless, during the campaign period, the party's fortunes dwindled and the leader, Joe Swinston, received lots of negative reviews and the party did as well. But in the, the election, the Liberal Democrats did lose 10 seats from the previous parliament and one from the previous election, returning 11 MPs. Of the nine new MPs who joined between June and October in 2019, the eight who contested their seats in the 2019 general election all lost their seats. However, the party did gain 4.2% in the vote, rising to 11.6%. So with this in mind, and the potential that when we do face another general election, Brexit hopefully will be in the distant past, could we see the Lib Dems become the third largest party? What do you think, Mr. Gurr? I think it's incredibly unlikely that they would become the uh, third biggest party at the next election. Um, and I think that's mainly just because the the current third biggest party, the SNP, have such a good leader, uh, ultimately. Uh, I mean, Nicola Sturgeon, in, um, according to YouGov figures, uh, Nicola Sturgeon is the third most famous other UK figure, so I from politics, um, and the second most popular um and really you know because of that um and i think the the way whether or not you agree with nicola sturgeon's politics or not i think the way she carries herself in basically everything she does in in the leadership debates but also the interviews in terms of just engaging with ordinary voters i think she carries herself phenomenally and she always seems very calm and really rational even if she's saying something maybe that's not that rational. Um, so I think based upon that, it seems really unlikely that the Lib Dems will be able to displace uh, the SNP on that basis. But also, I, I think the other problem is is just that the, the Liberal Democrats really suffer when the, the Labour Party is more left-wing as such and, and, and seen as much more radical because historically when the Lib Dems team seem to do well um, it's when Labour is a bit more moderate and that's kind of for 
for two reasons, I suppose. One, one is that quite often if Labour's more moderate, or at least in recent years, it's meant they're in power. So the Lib Dems are seen as more of a protest vote against that and to kind of force them to go a bit more to the left. But also, um, more directly, um, because they're more moderate, uh, I think a lot of people, especially more Tory-inclined voters or conservative-minded voters, see Labour themselves as much more electable and therefore, in these Tory Lib Dem swing seats, which is the majority of Lib Dem seats, mm. or at least majority of their targets, um, they're much more inclined to vote Lib Dem because the risk of accidentally letting in Labour doesn't seem like such a big risk. Um, so I think on that basis, it's really, really unlikely that they'll become the third biggest party. Um, I mean, what do you think, George? Yeah, Five years in politics is an incredibly long time, as we have seen. It's um, true, very I true. I mean, in, in three years, we've seen two general, well, three general, no, is it two general elections or three? It's three general elections, or four years, we've seen three general elections. I got there eventually. Um, yes. <laughs> um, and yeah, it, it can be, it is a very long time, and there can be a lot that can change. I personally think that one of the main downfalls for the, the Liberal Democrats, this the past general election, was that... Um, people who got fed up of of people telling them how they should have voted and why people voted leave and that people that were voting leave were were wrong and so on and so forth and people didn't want that and also people were scared that if they voted Lib Dems that they would just get into bed with Jeremy Corbyn um, and hold up his government so that is probably why I think don't think they did as well as they could have um, yeah. and I think their way forward is is a key one I, I think they should definitely try and move away from the Brexit argument. I mean, absolutely, if they want to have it within their policies, but I don't think they should have that on the main headlines and the main leaflets. I think it should be in the background somewhere. And they should start focusing back on what they are good at, which is focusing on the more, believe it or not, liberal policies that they can bring forward and and gaining that trust from a lot of voters that, that have left that party. And believe it or not, there were probably quite a, a few leave voters that used to be part of the Liberal Democrats and now have now chosen to leave them because obviously the Lib Dems don't represent leave voters um, and they needed to, to regain that trust of those voters again and, and to make sure that they, they don't seem like this elite party that are just booing off um, the leave voters. Um, I think as as time goes on, Brexit will become a thing of the past, and and this this label that we put on people of Brexiteers and and Remainers will slowly disappear. And I think that will be yeah. very important for the Lib Dem survival to becoming the third largest party. I, I I think currently right now the Lib Dems are in a political no man's land. I think it's very hard for them to be able to choose which way to go, and it's going to be interesting to see which leader they they uh, choose. To to put into place and which person can then take that party forward now over uh, the last couple of weeks there are, there has been some developments on a very more personal front with um, <laughs> my darling co-host um, who has decided not to be part of the uh, liberal democrats anymore and and do you want to just take this opportunity to tell people as to why yeah of course um so I suppose the main reason uh, is because, as some of our listeners might be aware, I, I'm studying journalism at the moment and 
and my ambition is to become a journalist so obviously I felt that for, for my journalism career it's best to not hold an active party membership because I think it definitely clouds your judgment a lot more um, but also I, there is as you may have been able to tell from some of my talk in recent weeks I suppose I've been a bit disillusioned with the party nationally for a while anyway um, you know uh, the, the party's main message has been stop Brexit for some time, which I didn't necessarily massively oppose. I see the benefits of, of putting that there. Um, but then quite often the party didn't really seem to be wanting to do things to stop Brexit. And and the the example I, I give is that the Canterbury local party of, of the Liberal Democrats said that they wanted to stand down a candidate in favour of La- Labour's Rosie Duffield so that she had the best chance of retaining her seat. Um, but the National Liberal Democrat Party said no, that they couldn't do this, and they forced a candidate um, on that party. Now, as it was, Rosie Duffield managed to retain her seat. Um, but I just thought uh, for a party be, to be, A, saying so much they want to stop Brexit, and B, su- support local party democracy, that very act of overturning the Canterbury Local Party's decision was in complete contradiction of that um but also i've just found that the party is just too moderate in in many ways and and maybe that's that that shouldn't be a a bad thing i suppose being moderate in in these times but i i feel that a for the party to get back to winning but b for for the real um kind of uh, concerns that people had that voted leave and and also remain and and kind of do protest votes and things like that I think for these things to be answered um, we need a really seismic change in what's happening in this country and so often the Liberal Democrats would kind of talk about it around the edges of the need for that but then when it came to actually committing to any kind of policy um, there is too much of a talking shop in many ways um, and so I just found that I was becoming much more disillusioned with it. And I just thought it's just not worth it um, on that basis. I yes. Think. So so on those grounds, then, if, if we were to see um, possibly a, a more Blairite like um, Jess Phillips get into the leadership of the Labour Party, bringing the Labour Party back to more the Blairite ways of the uh, Labour Labour Rosa in a blue jacket. Would you see yourself joining the the uh, Labour Party then? Uh, absolutely not. I mean, I have no plans for jo- joining the late uh, or another party at all, anyway. Yeah. Um, because as I said, the main, the primary reason is about my career. Um. But also, I, I mean, in terms of Jess Phillips herself, uh, Jess Phillips has shown herself to not be particularly liberal on on sex work but also man probably worse um she's been uh not particularly strong on trans rights either um so i'd very much struggle with her and even someone like keir starmer um the the video that he released today was harking back so much to the 1980s and and for me the the labor party as a whole uh, i think fetish fetishizes uh, the 1980s so much and that kind of war against Margaret Thatcher yeah. um, that I think they're just just too focused on the past and they're not really looking at the real practical solutions people want to see. 
And who do you think will, or what do you think uh, people will vote for in this? Um, I think that people will say no, the Liberal Democrats will not become the third largest party at the next election. What about you? Could I have a specific poll amount, please? <laughs> I guess a no will have 60% and yes, 40%. Okay, I'll I'll up you there and say no, we'll have 70% and yes, we'll have 30%. Um, but it is now time for our second song break of this evening. And remember to vote on this poll. Will the Liberal Democrats become the third largest party at the next election? And you can do that at Wizard Radio, the code UK for our system. And we'll be back right after this. Hello and welcome back. So before that uh, break, we asked the question, will the Liberal Democrats become the third largest party at the next general election? Uh, and you guys have been voting away and the results have just come in. So 41% of you said yes, they will be. And 59% of you said no, they won't. So neither of us were correct there, Callum. <laughs> I was pretty damn close, George. I'm pretty uh, happy with that. I don't think you were. <laughs> <laughs> that one percent that difference you makes know a difference terrible, to, uh, right? yeah it makes a lot of difference uh, i will try better next time good you'll have to try a lot better though george Shh. <laughs> right then uh, time to move on to our third discussion of this evening and we're asking the question which of these political figures should have been on the new year's honors list so more than a thousand people have recently been recognised by the government in the New Year's Honours list. Recipients included Sir Elton John, who was given the highest accolade, an Order of the Companions of Honour, cricketer Ben Stoke, who was given an OBE, and Sir Ian Duncan Smith, MP, who was knighted. Uh, but the honours were not without their controversy, with a host of long-standing and influential figures missing out. We're focusing on those from the political world who didn't make the cut for this poll. So which of these should have made the New Year's honours list? Was it John Burko, the former Speaker of the House of Commons, who was seen as instrumental in keeping alive hopes of a second Brexit referendum in the last parliament? Or perhaps it was Nigel Farage, the leader of the Brexit party, who arguably changed political history in successfully pressuring the Conservatives to back an EU membership referendum. Don't rule out Joe Swinson, though, who was the Lib Liberal Democrats' first ever female leader and led the party to a near 57% percentage increase in vote share in the recent general election. Or finally, should such an honour have gone to Kate Hoey? She was the MP for Vauxhall for three decades between 1989 and 2019 and was a rare Brexit campaigner amongst a largely pro-Remain Labour Party. George, which of these do you think is most deserving of a New Year's honour? Well, I, I just think to myself, you can tell it's the uh, the first time that you've uh, done a done this this kind of question because I bet I know the detail that I, I was know. using out with there, George. It was incredible, weren't it? I bet by the That's end of the year, it will just be John Burko, Nigel Farage, Joe Swinson, Kate Hoey. Be <laughs> not all as lazy as you, George. <laughs> oh, well, thanks, mate. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, this is 
Okay, I'm just going to say I do believe that the person that should have been on the New Year's Honours list uh, should have been Nigel Farage. I don't agree with a lot of his politics. I don't think that he is someone uh, that should be become an MP. I don't think that he has done too much good in uh, some of the parties he has set up. But I don't think anyone can take away what he has done to the political field, whether you agree with it or not. Um, he, to me personally, I think he's the most successful uh, political figure that we've had in the last possibly decade um, because he has been able to change a system of politics that we've had for so long and he's campaigned for it for a very long time. Um, and, and as Callum rightly said in his introduction, that he pressured the Conservative Party into ensuring that we had a second referendum on the EU membership. And then uh, when it wasn't looking likely that uh, Brexit wasn't happening, then he created the Brexit Party and put, again, pressure on the Conservative Party. And I think all parties, to be honest with you, it made the parties realise that they had to make a decision where to stand on Brexit. And arguably, Brexit is probably one of the biggest decisions um, of our lifetime. So I would back Nigel Farage um, on this list. I don't think he was ever in line of getting one because it would have been very controversial. I think possibly in the future um, he might get one. So you never know. Um, the, the second person that I most would put on this list, and it's something that might surprise people, is it is John Burko, um, a, a figure that I don't particularly like. Um, he's not a very nice person to, to meet, <laughs> but... He was a formidable Speaker of the House. And as much as, yes, he was very biased when it came to Brexit legislation, he also brought an element of uh, a, a different way of doing politics in the House of Commons. Whether that was right or wrong, and, and I believe mo the most of the time it was wrong, he still created change in politics. And I think that is most important, is that you to be entitled to, to get a period, is you have to have an element of change. You have to have something that you had done that has made an impact on history. Um, and I think John Burko did that exactly. I mean, he's the first Speaker of the House in 230 years to not get a peerage. Now, if, this, if Labour had won the election, I reckon John Burko would have absolutely got a peerage straight away. Um, I reckon he would have gone into the House of Lords even possibly um but we would obviously never know so that is definitely my top two on the list there but callum what what would you say are you going to be uh batting for joe swinson no <laughs> oh. uh, no i i don't think that joe swinson's done enough really to to warrant being on the new year's honors list um i mean she's not been a mp for a particularly amazing amount of time and she's lost quite a few of those elections as well <laughs> that she stood for. Um, I, I would say, I mean, obviously, it is an amazing achievement to be the first female leader of your party. But I, I don't think that in itself is, is worthy of being on the New Year's Honours list. If you then led them to government, it's a different um, kettle of fish, certainly. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I agree with you, actually, George. I, I think that the political figure most worthy of being on the New Year's Honours list is Nigel Farage. I mean, he's massively changed um, politics in this country, um, not just over the last um, few years as such, but also I think in the future, it's, it's changed really the course of history, um, if I can't sensationalise it too much. 
Um, and, you know, you have to just accept that whether or not you disagree with him. And as everyone knows, I disagree with him on a, a, an awful lot. Um, he, he has still done an awful lot. Um, in, in terms of John Burko, I actually disagree with you, George. I don't think he's worthy of getting on the New Year's Honours list because, uh, first of all, he's made himself into something of a celebrity now. And, and for me, I think he's really brought dishonour upon the office of Speaker um, by not just making himself a celebrity, but also publicly announcing his own views so soon after he'd finished being Speaker. And also quite often during the time that he was Speaker. Um, and I think it's really, really damaged that institution um, of the Speaker. So so I don't think he should be on the news on this. And I stand by um, whoever it was that decided he shouldn't be on there. In terms of Kate Hoey, I think, again, I'm not sure that she's done much really to warrant it. I mean, obviously, she did serve her constituency for a very long time. And we should take our hats off to that. Uh, and she was often at odds with her own party. Um, but I'm not sure that that in itself is really worthy of being on the New Year's Honours list. I think the only person there really that, that is deserving is is Nigel Farage. Um, but one question I did have for you, George, is which of these figures is the least deserving uh, of being on the New Year's Honours list without being too harsh? <laughs> um, I would have to stand by uh, Joe Swinson on that one. I think. Yeah. The, I. I mean. I don't. I don't want to be rude to her. I mean, Christ. She. She led a party. She's been uh, an MP, as you said. She was the first female leader of the Liberal Democrats. Um, and to to be in the position that she was in is an incredibly hard thing to do. And to be a Remainer in a very angry. Um, country that voted leave is also a very um, hard thing to do and to put your points of view out there to be criticized is incredibly hard and for that i do take my hat off to her i i i do have a lot of respect for her i mean it takes a lot of guts to be able to stand on the platform in front of people that possibly voted leave and and give and to say stop brexit um that's a very brave thing to do and she stood for her political beliefs she wasn't afraid to stand down from her political beliefs and, and i think given the chance she could have potentially made the liberal democrats into a fighting party but looking at her right now as callum said she uh was a mp for not very long she's lost a seat she didn't have that much success as a uh leader of a party so for me she would be last on my list i'm guessing as you've kind of um highlighted she would also be last on your list callum yeah yeah i mean i, I think she could still have a career that makes her worthy but i think right at this moment she's not yeah um which of these do you think is going to come out on top though on the poll of who should be on the new year's honors list or should have been rather um i <sighs> I would like to say Nigel Farage, but I feel he's too controversial for people to vote for him. Um, so I'm possibly going to say John Burko is going to come out on top. What do you think? I'm going to bat Nigel Farage, I think, um, just because I think he's got um, that name recognition. Uh, and, you know, we've talked about him an awful lot as well. So hopefully we have some kind of influence. Um, <laughs> But it's now time for you guys to vote on this poll. So the question is, which of these political figures should have been on the New Year's honours list? Uh, so the options are John Burko, Nigel Farage, Joe Swinson or Kate Hoey. 
and we'll be back very soon. Hello and welcome back. So before the break, we asked which of these political figures should have been on the New Year's honours list uh, and you guys have been voting away. So 56% of you said John Burko should, 19% of you said Nigel Farage, 14% Joe Swinson and 11% Kate Hoey. So George, I was um, very, very wrong on that one. Um, Well done. I guess that's 1-0. Well, I mean, I think it's 1-0, personally, because you didn't get it precisely right, did you? So, whereas I did We get didn't give a figure right. on this one. You didn't ask me for a figure. That's true. It's my bad, my bad. I will bad. ask you for a figure a figure next time. Yeah, you'll, you'll learn, you'll learn. <laughs> uh, so, let's move on to our fourth discussion of this evening. And we're asking... Are you feeling positive about 2020? So during our last show, our New Year's Eve special, we asked if you thought that 2019 had been a positive year and 68% of you voted that it had been. So do you think the things that you did in 2019 can be bettered or maintained in 2020 to ensure that it's a positive year? Or are you even planning to bring new things to ensure that you have a positive 2020? Callum, what do you think? Are you feeling optimistic? Yeah, I am feeling quite optimistic about 2020, I think. Um, I should, um, God willing, uh, finish <laughs> my degree um, and my master's. So that will be obviously massive to do that and get all of the appropriate journalism qualifications. Yeah. Um, so so obviously that, that's, that will be massive. Um, but also I'm hoping to learn to drive, hopefully. Um, I mean, I've I don't know if I said it last year. No, I don't think I did because I hadn't really um, started to decide I was going to do it as such. But I'm, I desperately want to learn to drive in 2020. Um, and just more in general, I'm 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 feeling good going into 2020. I, th- I think it's going to be a good year. Um, what do you think, George? Um, yeah, I'm I'm uh feeling optimistic about 2020 there's a Are you sure I, you I, didn't I, sound yeah. it <laughs> I, there's, there's just there's a lot of decisions for me to make in in 2020 and it's it's very uh quite scary because it's all about you know planning my future and what i want to do and everything and it's all rather becomes quite realistic and it's 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 strange by making one one decision now can completely change the future of your life and 2020 is going to be um the time that i make those decisions so and i i often am quite i quite can be quite negative about things but i'm going to try and better that and be optimistic about the decisions that i do make and stick by them um like this year i want to be able to move out i want to buy my own house um i want to be able to de- develop more in my job and progress in my job more um and and yeah there are many things that i can really look forward to this year i've got another holiday planned with uh with my friends which i'm looking forward to luckily callum's not coming um (laughs) so so there are definitely a, a lot of things that i can be optimistic about but is there anything in 2019 that you feel that you did well that you will carry on in in 2020 or is there anything that you did not so well in 2019 that you were better in 2020, Mr. Gurr? That's two questions, George. You're not allowed well, that. Answer one of them. 
Uh, things I've done well, I suppose. 2019. Ooh. Um, well, I, I managed to catch up with a lot of, of my friends and keep in contact with a lot of my university friends, um, which I, I want to keep going forward. Although I would also say in terms of things I could do better is also keep in touch with the other load of friends I have and and things like that and just make sure that I'm 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 seeing people that I don't now live five minutes down the road from um because yeah. it is really difficult isn't it um but so I suppose I'm really going to kill two birds with one stone and say that's they're both of my answers uh, <laughs> uh keeping in contact with people what what about you George I think for me uh 2019 I was always quite doubtful of myself and, and and the potential that I could could bring to to my career um and I didn't particularly believe in myself in in what I was doing and stuff and I, I always was quite questioning of, of my abilities um so I think this year I will better that by actually believing in what I'm doing and actually being able to pat myself on the back when I have done a pretty good job um which is something that will be hard but I've I've got to do it to be able to actually give myself a bit of a compliment and say yeah well done George yeah, yeah, you, it's it's always important. Um, self uh, congratulations, as such. It is absolutely right. Okay, so it is now time for our final song break of this evening, and don't forget to vote on this poll. Are you feeling positive about 2020? And you can do that with a radio to code UK forward slash listen. We'll be back after this short break. Hello and welcome back. So before that break, we asked, are you feeling positive about 2020? And you guys have been voting and the results are 71% of you have said, yes, you are feeling positive. And 29% of you said, no, you're not. Well, Callum, what, what would you say to that 29% that aren't feeling positive? Um, <laughs> I guess find out or, or identify what it is that is making you feel negative about it. And maybe try and change things if you can. I mean, obviously, sometimes that's not possible in life. Um, but, you know, if something's making you feel negative, maybe cut that out of your life if, if you can. I mean, yeah. do you have any words of wisdom, George? Um, I would just say 2020 is a, it's a big year. Um, but set yourself small goals and um, small achievements and every step is will turn into a big step. Yeah, that's a good advice, George. Thanks, Callum. Uh, <laughs> thanks for listening to To Be Discussed with Kuffinger. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. So, as mentioned earlier, for the first segment of next week's show, we'd like you to send in, um, but rather than opinions, we're after questions from you guys about anything you'd like us to answer in current affairs. Uh, you can send those questions by email to station at wizardradio.co.uk or through Twitter, that's at WizRadio. So remember, we want you to send us your current affairs questions, and we're really looking forward to answering those next week. But it's now time for George and I to say ciao for now. So I've been the beautiful Callum Gurr. And I've been the gorgeous George Cup. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week at the same time and the same place for another episode of To Be Discussed.
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.